so good to be with Stephen Mel today from far north Queensland. Stephen Mel uh, work in making disciples in numbers of streams uh, that they've been working with, from immigrant communities to soldiers and white Aussies and in the Cape, uh, up there with Aboriginal communities and also uh, into Papua New Guinea. I know these guys as passionate, uh, down-to-earth, loving people who have given their lives for Jesus. And um, it's just, um, they refresh my heart. And not only that, they're good friends. So Stephen Mel, welcome to the podcast, Conversations You Go. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, yeah, Dave. Thanks, Dave. So, uh, as Dave said, I'm Steve and got Mel here as well. And, um, yeah, just uh, love um, to be talking with you guys today and um, just encouraging you in, in wherever you are and whatever you're doing at the moment. Mm, yeah, fantastic. Cool share some stories. Yeah, and uh, that we've just been gathering together last weekend and this week as leaders here in Melbourne. And I thought I'd grab them and say, tell us your best story or not your best story. Tell us something that's... Uh, you're experiencing and how we can draw some principles out of that. So, yeah, tell us what God's been doing and a great story. Yeah, so one of the freshest stories um, that's happened within the last few weeks, um, starting probably a few months ago, was um, in North Queensland. So we're based in North Queensland and we, we're trying to reach all of North Queensland um, with the gospel. And um, one of the communities or areas we go to is the Cape. And um, there's an area in the Cape um, that we've gone to, we've flown into, and um, we've been on the ground uh, praying, um, praying with the people there. So just sitting under a mango tree, um, people coming up to us, asking what we're doing there, sharing with them, and they're asking for prayer as well. Um, Been invited into someone's house to stay there um, while we're there. So it, it's been really awesome to hear their stories. But one uh, once when we were up there, we were in, me and a pilot was invited to a women's gathering or get together, uh, which was kind of different because I'm a man, obviously, and the pilot's a man. So um, we went to the to the women's um, meeting. Yeah, what's the pilot? Why, why do you have a pilot with you? So we travel from Cairns into a community. So fly about two and a half hours into wow. a community mm. and do that every fortnight wow. um, just to try and try and do this stuff, try and mm. find people of peace, try and find people who are open to the gospel. So as, as we were in this women's um, meeting, uh, we were just really keeping our eyes open, listening to the people, and um, we found this one lady who was serving people who was, had a servant heart. She loved people. So the elders who were there, um, she would actually feed them food and she would look after them, make sure that they were going well. She'd drive them around. She obviously had the heart of the Father yeah. in her already. Um, so, yeah, I, as a man, I couldn't really connect with her as uh, well as a female. So my wife and I tag team uh, going up into community. So the, I said to my wife... Next time you go, connect with this lady. And I'm pretty sure, and the pilot we go with was pretty sure that she was a person of peace, without a doubt. So we said, connect with her and see how, uh, see what happens. Mm. Yeah, I remember sitting in the little Cessna on the way to this community thinking, oh, I can't wait to meet this lady. Mm. And um, yeah, hopefully these guys are right. 
<laughs> and she is a person of peace and she's going to have the keys to open that community. So um, touched uh, ground and got to meet this lady and it wasn't long until I realised, yeah, these fellas were spot on. This is definitely a person of peace. Um, this woman is incredibly selfless. Uh, she just wants to pour herself into people. She doesn't have a whole lot of possessions. Um, she doesn't have that, um, that prestige or powerful role or anything like that. She's exactly what we're looking for in a person of peace. She is hungry. She's open. And you know what? She was actually already sharing. Mm. So there are people in community, particularly the youth, um, but also her relatives who have seen a dramatic transformation in her life prior to us meeting her. And they're, they're just all ears. They love her. They respect her. She has a lot of influence. And uh, she was already sharing, but wasn't getting very far. Mm. Felt very lonely um, that there weren't people around her that um, she could be encouraged by. She wasn't seeing a whole lot of fruit. Um, so it was wonderful to connect with her, sit down with her, uh, with a bunch of other women. Straight away, there were other women involved. It wasn't just one-on-one. Do a DBS, talk about how you could actually do this in households, how you could do this sitting outside on the back veranda under the tree. Mm. So simple. And she just grasped that and just ran with it. Um, it's just a beautiful thing to see in, in a matter of 24 hours, immediate action, mm. you know, um, just amazing. <laughs> so when you say within 24 hours, I mean, what did you go say? You just rocked up and say, hey, I want, I'm Mel. I want you to go and do this DBS with other people. How did that conversation <laughs> go? No, uh, to start with, it was building that rapport, just... Um, hanging out together. She'd just introduce a lot of her family. There was a lot of storytelling. So um, dreams and visions that have been going on. Um, just I just tried to do a lot of listening, just really get to know this person in front of me, um, see a lot of um, photos and videos of family members, who's connected to who, where do they live, what's their story, um, meeting people face-to-face in community that she wanted to connect me with and introduce to. Uh, so lots and lots and lots of listening, trying to hear where's God at work already? What scripture would be good? So going in knowing the principles of starting a discovery group but being very, very flexible, trying to be spirit-led and what is the right story to bring to these women in the next half hour because I can see where this conversation is going <laughs> and, and sitting down and, and trying to learn how they would ask the questions in their language too. Yeah. So I would say, this is how I say it when I do a group with my, my mob. How would you guys say this in your everyday language? Mm. And really bringing them in as owning the process, yeah. writing these Very things important. down, creating team instantly sharing stories and then saying, who could you share this with? 
And they all came up with people they could share it with. And that's what I mean. In the next 24 hours, the story shared and beyond those people, you know. Mm. So you, you took it, uh, did a discovery Bible study with them and um, worked hard to put it in their language. But they went and shared immediately with yeah. the family and community. And we're talking about the uh, indigenous, right? Yeah. And what, 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 what's the group that we're talking about? The group? Uh, started with a group of women, yeah, and then uh, there were actually quite a few little pockets that we started with older women, so aunties, mothers. Then there was a group of younger teenage girls mm. as well, and now that is spreading to uncles mm. as well um, and younger kids. So it's just flowing along relational lines at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the cool thing is, in the back of our minds, we're sitting here going, man, she's actually spent time in that other community. She's got family up there as well mm. and down there through the Gulf. Or, you know, um, it's just amazing when you sit back and you think at the potential of what can happen through discovery groups because they're multipliable. They're not mm. like a typical Bible study or a church service. Mm. Uh, it's highly relational mm. and it's just it's just ready to go. It's really cool. So my understanding I mean, in these communities is there are churches there. There's mm. a, maybe an Anglican church or a Uniting church or something like that. Why is this different? Uh, because it's outside the church walls. Mm. Because there's not a paid professional expert standing up the front. Um, because it's putting the power might be the wrong word. But it, it, it's the ownership. It's, yeah, yeah, the ownership. It's giving the ownership to the people sitting in the room, even if they have never picked up a Bible in their life mm. or even heard the Bible in their life. Um, it's putting the ownership in the group to say, okay, listen to this story. What do you discover about God? Mm. You know, what are you discovering about people? And how could you walk that way? And anybody can own that. If their heart's there and they're hungry, they're going to own that. They don't have to know all the other scriptures. So interestingly enough, this lady also, after doing this discovery group, she's also, within that week, done another two discovery groups with different pockets of people. So straight away she's um, she wants to reach more people so that her heart is for her family and beyond. Wow, that's so awesome. I mean, how many times do we train people and we pour into them and they think about a concept and they just sit there and uh, a month goes by and they haven't done anything and they just go, teach us some more and we'll try and teach them some more and encourage them some more, but nothing happens. Mm -hmm. But here you're talking about a person who within 24 hours goes and runs some discovery groups. Within a week is having running two discovery groups just on the basis of, hey, you can do this. Yeah. And it's very simple. That's a breath of fresh air. I think some of the things I'm noticing is she's not too busy to do this stuff. Mm. She's highly connected with people and networks and her heart is beating the same as God's. Mm. It's, it's the same. It's not a false motive. Um, there's no power play involved in this. Mm. Um, it's just the right the right person um, to unlock things. Mm. 
So you're 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 um, not uh, paying her or anything like that. She's just saying, "I'm going to do this." Yeah, yeah. There's there's no there's no underlying you know motive except that I want to share with people about this God yeah, who I love, who has changed my life. It's a hard attitude, isn't it? And it's a love for people. It's a love to see people coming into that that fellowship or that family of God. Mm, yeah. mm. What's some of the peculiarities, the dynamics of family and households in these communities? What, what's, what's oh, going yeah. on? Oh, uh, yeah. So much more fluid. Um, so compared to what I've grown up in, being a white Aussie, um, these guys really have each other's backs and people are moving around constantly. Um, very, very fluid dynamics. Um, if someone's called an auntie or a mum or an uncle, it could mean something entirely different to how I would perceive that. Mm. It might not be even a blood relative. Mm. Um, and I'm already being swept up into that. I'm an auntie. Mm. You know, it's, it's just a really beautiful dynamic of um, knowing each other, looking out for each other, um, conversations happening constantly all the time it's a real life on life they're they're in each other's pockets especially being in community you know um word travels fast it's great when it's god's word that's still in the traveling fast (laughs) yeah what's what's some of the barriers they're facing what are some of the difficulties they're facing yeah oh for sure um i would say addictions um certainly the underlying um... cultural barriers as well. So the the indigenous culture um, that's a barrier as well because they've been taught uh, to hold on to that and not let it go. So that's a massive uh, barrier as well. Um, it's great to have culture, but a culture redeemed is far more important than um, the cult, uh, part of the culture that isn't of God. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's such a huge thing, though, is um, having their their purpose, their dignity stripped from them for so long now. Um, you know, the stolen generation wasn't that long ago. So these stories are still being talked about. They're, they're telling me, you know, our oh, grandma, she was in the stolen generation and mm-hmm. we've connected with so-and-so. And these are raw stories and so what we're finding is it is such a breath of fresh air to be able to empower these guys and not say, hey, we're the white saviors coming into mm. community, follow us, you know, yeah. do things our way. It's completely different. It's saying you guys have been called by God. You are mm. here for a reason. We want to encourage you and help you as much as we can, but you guys are in the thick of it, you know. You know the people. You know the language. You know yeah. your maker. Yeah, Let's for those who home. are not from Australia, the stolen generation was the forced removal of kids, especially half-caste kids, yeah. uh, kids from mixed marriages, and they were removed and put into orphanages and state care rather than left with their parents. And it was just a, a tragedy that happened over, well, a long time, since uh, the late 1800s and early 1900s right through to even as recently as up to the 1980s. Mm. And uh, kids were removed and 
and they just lost any sense of cultural identity, heritage, where they came from, and uh, they grew up not knowing who mum and dad was, not knowing their roots, Mm -hmm. and then uh, a long process of um, uh, finding their land, finding their people, and uh, yeah, and it's brought a real wound in the heart of many, uh, a great tragedy, which has been uh, tried to be set right in some measure or form through apology, um, but still the wound is very real yeah. and it's still alive. So Yeah, yeah I think um, some of the other things that we're seeing come out of that is uh, a whole pile of organisations, um, could be from the government or completely separate, coming in trying to do a quick fix, trying to run programs to help people find their identity or purpose. We've got um, even church groups, Christian groups coming in, running a big crusade, lots of hype, um, but then they're just left stranded again, you know, or they make this commitment and then there's no discipleship afterwards and it can actually cause a lot more damage than good. Mm. So being able to come in and work with these guys long-term and just live life on life, you know, um, it's so beautiful and the trust is built and it's not about us coming in and trying to fix things. It's just being able to give them some tools to to run with it in Mm. their own communities and... Yeah. yeah, it's quite amazing actually that this lady trusts us um, to reach her people because it makes it easier for us to reach her people because her her group her people group is not listening to us; they're listening to her, yeah. and um, that they, they obviously trust her. Mm-hmm. So it just that that is all broken down. That um, yeah, the mistrust of of us uh, as white Aussies. Mm-hmm. Um, within community and it's so good because the acceptance now from a whole bunch of her relatives and her friends is there now because she was willing to to be vulnerable and trust us so this is really you know draws us into the idea of the inside leader and the outside leader and understanding how the outside leader operates and how the inside leader operates and they're two quite different and pronounced roles aren't they well, tell us some of your learns of being outside leaders, catalyzing inside leaders uh, in, a, in a different culture to you, a different people group, a different even skin color. Mm. Yeah, what's some of the principles you're learning as outside leaders uh, to catalyze that? Outside leaders um, should stay outside leaders. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah I just think, um, gosh, you would be taking so much longer to gain any traction if you tried to become an inside leader and do the work of an inside leader mm. um, if you're an outsider. So for, for us, there's just there's a lot of prayer and there's a lot of trying to remember, stay out of the spotlight. Mm. You know, if there's a need that arises and they say, oh, we need this or we need that, it's take a step back and think, how can I empower these guys to meet their own needs yeah. as much as is possible yeah. and, um, and to really see this person, this gatekeeper, this inside leader as someone who we're going to pour into that person because she's going to reach her people far more effectively than we ever could even dream of doing yeah. ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah, just keeping that in mind that um, 
We're not in the spotlight. We're not on the stage. We don't have to go and visit all these different homes and reach all these people. It's her. And yes, we get to know people in the process, absolutely, um, which is beautiful. And, and we do get introduced into homes. But the end game is that she is going to start generational groups. They're the ones who's, who are going to be saturating the town. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously as an outside leader, um, we don't come in and run groups. We don't come in and um, tell them, um, how to, you know, what to uh, dis, uh, obey, what to do, discover for themselves. Mm-hmm. We're not preaching at them. How to worship. How to worship. Yeah. Um, all uh, the things that are normal, normally um, associated with groups coming in. So we we step out of that spotlight, as Melissa said. We step out of the spotlight and let the people, Indigenous people, lead. Uh, it's mm-hmm. so important that we do that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they won't grow. They won't actually hear from God. They'll hear from God through us, um, which I think is far more important that they actually learn to hear from God. Yeah, That's fantastic. So the, the outside leader prays. The outside leader stays out of the way. They don't lead things within the culture, but they find the, the inside leader. They pour into them. And it's much more of a servant-hearted role mm. in that context yeah. and uh, making sure that you can fade into the background, as it were, yeah. fade out of the way and the work continues on. But your role is to catalyse, to make sure that there is enough momentum happening already that they don't need you. Yeah. But it do- that doesn't happen overnight, right? You do need to pour in and you need to be around for a certain period of time. Yeah, Some absolutely. people talk about you know, modelling assisting watching and leaving the mall principle you model you do do something with them you assist them to do it you watch them as they do it so you're not participating and then you you learn how to leave um in that sense and um yeah that's a that's a real crucial role to understand uh especially for many i've uh, been in mission situations where Foreigners have come in and they're pastoring the churches and they're running the worship and they're dictating what songs to sing and they they are the centre and the core and they're wondering, uh, they become indispensable in the process <laughs> and it's a cultural import. They, they run churches look totally, totally different to what they would look like if they're planted in the soil. So that's, um, that's awesome. What do you think some of the roles are of the inside leader? What's the what's what's as opposed to being the outsider? What's the inside leader look like? I think the inside leader carries the carries the the broken heart for the people, mm. very very close to home, and that's the driving force mm. to reach their people. Mm. Um, that's for me. That's that's the biggest thing because everything can come from that. Mm. So. You know, other roles would include starting to engage in spiritual conversations, um, seeing who's open, starting to to gather people together and encourage them, also that they can facilitate groups. Mm. Things can multiply. Um, yeah, but I, it really does come back to that core issue of my people need to know God. Yeah. Yeah, the inside leader also is very heavily connected to us, the outside, because um, we're uh, discipling her, mentoring her, 
and encouraging her as well. She's like she still needs that encouragement from outside. Mm. So I really believe that she's like that's very important for her to continue on connecting mm. with the outside leader. Not the not all the people, but just her connecting. So we she tells to us stories about what's going on with the group, what's um, happening, and and then we help her at the moment. We help her establish um, a scripture what's what scripture we're going to look at next what's mm. going to be most effective mm. um, in this in the situations that they're going through and maybe we come up with the scripture she comes up with the scripture but we we actually come up with scriptures together yeah. to um, to really help the community we're working together it's a very mutual partnership yeah. it's not like a top-down relationship. I am learning so much from this woman. Mm. I just count her as a dear sister. I'd only been with her for half an hour and I just thought, wow, (laughs) this is incredible. Um, So being able to learn from each other and create something that is culturally relevant, something that has got the right principles so that it can catalyse movement, it can grow legs and run. Mm. Yeah, it's really cool. That's awesome. And so the outside leader... Their job is really, it's a training role as well. You're kind of training, but training doesn't necessarily mean sitting in a classroom and bringing out a book and learning. Mm-hmm. It's uh, pouring in in a way that can be modelled and reproduced. Mm-hmm. And so what you're doing is uh, modelling and reproducing in a relational context. It might be around food or it might be at a table and you're, you're just ex- mm-hmm. talking about different different principles and how they adapt and then standing back and watching how they do stuff I, I know you guys are not just this one story but there's numbers of these stories that yeah. are being catalyzed um how many how many of those kind of stories are happening around you up in the cape oh uh, um that's hard to put a finger on because the people in the cape are very spiritually open but those type of stories probably maybe seven um yeah seven of those types of stories uh, yeah, uh, that are significant to to count. Yeah, yeah. It's we're in a really exciting season when you have got there's one community where the most influential elder is um, hassling us to get up there. Yeah, and I, can I just share a quick story behind that? So the background was um, Steve, myself, and our boy Ezra uh, thought we'll take the camping trailer and we'll. We'll hit Cape York and we'll start praying. This is before anything had started. We'll just start praying through the land um, and just hear God's heart, see what happens. We really had no agenda at all. Mm. We didn't know exactly where we were going to be on each day. We just we just thought we've just got to go and we've just got to pray and we've got to sense what God's saying as we do that. So we turn up to a community we'd never been in before. And we thought, let's just drive through. Usually communities are quite small. So we just drove to the water's edge and we thought, just had this real sense, we just got to pray for these people. Mm. Um, So we just were praying. We were sitting in our car with the air con cranked because it was hot as. (laughs) (laughs) And we didn't want to make a big scene or anything. So. but our prayer was like praying for the community, for dreams and visions, for God to show these people 
um, his presence, his power in a real way, in a yeah. way that they've never seen before. It was um, it was very audacious prayer. Mm. It was really, God, these people need you. They need to hear you in their language, in, in their heart language, so they can understand. Would you come to them in dreams and visions? And yeah. it was just pouring out of us, our little boy in the back joining in. and yeah. Beautiful. And then we just went, okay, all right, let's head back and um, cut a long story short. We end up meeting um, this wonderful um, Aboriginal woman. She's She really is like the lead elder in that community. We met her the following day and um, then we caught up again a week later. Um, that, was, um, that was a beautiful moment. We're just sharing stories, getting to know each other. And... Um, and her niece was sitting in the background for hours listening to this conversation between the elder and myself, sharing stories. Um, and she eventually pipes up and she goes... Yeah, right at the end. Right at the end when she knew I was about to go. She said, oh, I haven't told anyone this, but last week I was sitting down by the water's edge and I looked up into the sky... And I saw Jesus in the sky. And I just thought, whoa. I hadn't shared anything about our prayer. Um, mm. I just listened to this young woman. Uh, she's probably, I would say she would be early 20s. Um, doesn't go to church. Just share this vision that she saw. She, she's going, oh, immediately I'm trying to pick up my phone and take a photo and then it disappeared and I'm trying to chase it behind the tree or the pole or I didn't know where Jesus <laughs> great had gone. Was, yeah. You know, it was just incredible. And you could tell she was like, this is a crazy story, but believe me, it's true. And um, it was such a wonderful moment to sit back and go, well, you know, we were just talking about sharing stories in households telling Bible stories around mm. the dinner table or around the fire pit. Do you want to do that? Do you want to do that with your family? And she goes, oh, yeah, I would do that. Yeah. And so now we're, you know, this elder is just going, when are you coming? When are you coming? Mm. So we're, we're in this beautiful season of, you know, the harvest is ripe. Yeah. Um, so it's great. And, and our prayer has been, Lord, raise up more workers, raise up more workers. Where are all the workers? So yeah, just amazing things happening. Um, yeah, it's such a privilege to be a part of it. See Mm. it happen. Wonderful. Well, Stephen Mel, how refreshing, how exciting to, to sit down and hear some stories and draw out some principles I wonder if you just want to finish off our podcast speaking directly to those who are listening to bring a a word of encouragement or something that would um, just uh, lift our spirits as we go on our day. Yeah, um, just turning our minds back to when Jesus called the, the four fishermen, you know, they'd been fishing all night, caught nothing, started cleaning their nets, and, um, and then uh, Jesus tells them to you know, take the boat out and um, try the deep water, try to catch some fish in the deep water. And um, they could have said no, <laughs> and it could have all ended there. But they obeyed him. Um, they took the risk and they obeyed, and they had such a massive catch. They needed more workers. They called in more workers to come and help them bring that big catch in. 
and immediately Peter realises how inadequate he is because he turns to Jesus and just goes, well, you're going to have to leave, Lord, because I'm a sinner. But I don't deserve this. I'm unworthy. You know, just felt completely inadequate out of his depth. Um, but Jesus says, you know, don't be afraid of that. From now on, you will catch men. And um, I just listen to that story and I go, man, we feel so inadequate doing this work. But we need more workers. We need, this is across the globe, not just in the Cape. Across the globe, we need more workers. Yeah. And we can't let fear get in the way because Jesus wants to do something bigger than us, bigger than our sin, bigger than our inadequacies. You know, there's a harvest out there. So um, let's take the risk, let's obey, and let's just follow him. Yeah, so also following on from that passage, if you've tried to fish in a certain area, you've been fishing all night, so you've been fishing for a few months or or years now, Mm -hmm. and you haven't found any fish, I challenge you to do what Jesus challenged the disciples, to go and fish somewhere else, do it again, go again, and be courageous and bold, and just do what what God has our Father has told you to do what Jesus has told you to do is to go and fish again. Cast your nets and see what God does. 